Hello and welcome to the City Collective Podcast. This is the place where you can hear the latest sermons from our Sunday services and follow-up conversations around teachings within our church. Today we'll be expanding on the topic of Jesus in the Old Testament. My name is Stephen Mossad and today we have Pastor Jason Charles and Ryan Guerra. As we kick off our new series, Truly Human, we want to explore Jesus in the Old Testament and try and grasp what the implications are for us in the 21st century. G'day, gents. How are you going? G'day. There's a lot of like language there for someone that doesn't have Australian slang in their vocabulary that they would have no idea what you just said. Um, that's okay. That's They can learn. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thanks for joining us, Ryan. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm so stoked to be here. Thanks for inviting me. We uh, are beginning this new series called Truly Human. And to talk about Jesus in the Old Testament, things got a bunch of different questions loaded into it. For some of us, it's where is Jesus in the Old Testament? We might not see it explicitly name-wise, though Ryan was quick to point out he's there. Yeah, it's Joshua and Jesus have the same name. So, so there's like a whole book yeah. named Jesus. He's in there. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get there. Where, uh, where is Jesus in the Old Testament? Uh, why does it matter that Jesus is, is in the Old Testament? And what does it really do in our lives? today and i think that's always the question that we're led to when we explore conversations of the bible yeah um i thought it'd be appropriate to kick off with a uh, little quote um can't help yourself no well what for quotes are great <laughs> um i don't even know how to pronounce his name properly um you can pronounce it once i say the quote <laughs> who am i how did i get into the world why was i not asked about it and if I am compelled to be involved, where's the manager? I have something to say about this. Mr. Soren Kierkegaard. That's the one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think it's a great quote. Yeah. I, uh, it's, um, <laughs> I was chatting to a friend. Um, he's a little bit younger than me. And um, he's like, he was a little frustrated with life. And he's like, man, I didn't ask to be here. <laughs> like, what the heck's going on? <laughs> I, anyway, so I'm like, yeah, I get you. So does this guy. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, it's yeah. It's, Kierkegaard uh, is interesting too because yeah. he is in some in some circles he's like a foil to to Freud. Uh, mm, Kierkegaard's true. writings can often veer in like very heady, sometimes difficult to read territory. But this quote itself, I think, is a very human one. It's like a really honest one, like you said for your friend that was uh, experiencing the the reality of life in that moment, <laughs> oh, yeah. converging on on him. Uh, I think Kierkegaard does it often in his writings. Yeah. When I was in Bible college, I started reading this guy named Jean-Paul Sartre, yep. an existential yep. philosopher who is very not Jesus-y. And, <laughs> but I was like so invigorated by some of the questions he was raising. And it took me like, you know, down these long thought trails of like, oh, like these same kind of questions. Like, why do I exist? What does my existence mean? Um, and again, I felt Kierkegaard was a really kind of good response for an exploring young adult to lean into that. I love this idea of like, can I speak to the manager? manager. Because yeah. <laughs> all of us, I think, hopefully could get to the point where we could acknowledge, mm. I didn't do anything to be created. I didn't do anything to start to exist. But then as quickly as we can, like pronounce ourselves the manager. Mm. It's like, I'll speak to the manager. It's me. Yeah. And so I love kind of the idea behind this quote, recognizing, right. you know, like, and I think it's a little bit cheeky because I think the quote goes on to like, who do I make my complaint yes. to? Yes. But uh, acknowledging that, 
you know, the same way we didn't create ourselves, we don't all of a sudden get to take on the role of like creator after that. So it's a great quote. Good yeah. way to dig that up, boys. Yeah. Um, when we explore this conversation of uh, what is it to be truly human, uh, the thing that I find incredibly encouraging about the Bible, first of all, uh, the Bible is incredibly complex. And I, I say this often because I think it's important for us to, to treat it with care. Uh, it's, it's not a single person that's written it that is mm-hmm. coming from a single place in time and culture. Uh, it's a library of books. And so sometimes the Old Testament, if it's treated in that really simplistic manner, can lack the beauty and creativity that I think the divine pours into it for us to discover this grand narrative of what God is up to mm. with his creation. <clears throat> and yeah. so the, the thing that, I want us to even have foundationally in this conversation is we should be incredibly encouraged that God knows our question. He knows that longing that we have to be known, to have an understanding of why we exist, to have purpose, that he has that, that deep understanding of that. And his response is actually to provide us a picture of what it is to be truly human. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause so I am 28. I haven't been walking on this earth for very long. No. No, not not long <laughs> enough to say this. I feel old though. Anyway, that's a different thing. But I think, I don't know when it was, but I think I was like, I don't know, 23, 24. I'm like, man, like, what does it actually mean for me to be Stephen and do life as mm. God intended? Mm. And it's like, and then I started to go down this rabbit hole of like, what does it mean to be truly human? And it's such an important question, I think, even for, us as people who start to develop an identity, a personality, a character, a vocation and a calling and all these things. And it's like, we really do need to understand what it means to be truly human. Mm -hmm. So we can live out our fullest person, our fullest uh, capacity, who God made us to be and all these things. Otherwise you just, I don't know, just drift through life almost aimlessly. And so it's, yeah, it's such an important idea, such an important concept for us to really dive into. I think that's well said. And um, this is maybe a silly story, but earlier this year in January, I broke my ankle. I was in Manitoba. I was an ice skating accident. And um, I was on crutches for all. I was brutal. But the, the morning after I broke my ankle, I was sitting in the hotel lobby. I didn't have a real cast on. And the lobby was empty, but all of a sudden this blind guy walked into the lobby, uh, walking stick and all, totally blind. And he just into the abyss of the lobby just says like blankly, he's like, Larry, Larry. And I could tell he's looking for his friend, but the lobby was empty. Yeah. So I kind of like say over to him, I'm like, Hey, <laughs> like it's, it's hard to get the, like, you don't know, usually you use body language. To get people. I'm like, yeah. Hey man, he looks at me, he kind of looks my ways. I'm like, I don't think whoever you're looking for is in here. And so I was like, is there something you're, can I help you out? And he's like, yeah, I'm trying to get to the conference room. I was like, I can help you. But He's blind, so he doesn't see what's going on, that I've got my leg wrapped and stuff. So I stand up. I don't even have crutches at this point. He's like, let's put my hand on your shoulder. And I start, like, hopping, and I don't even know where the conference room is. And he's like, what's going on? And I was like, yeah, sorry, I broke my ankle because he didn't know. Anyways, eventually we get to this conference room, and it's this, the doors open, and it's, like, the city councilors from Winnipeg meeting. And it's this guy, this, like, homeless-looking guy, me, hopping in on one foot, <laughs> this blind guy with his hand on my shoulder. And I think that's, like, this picture, in this moment, I have this picture of what you're talking about, like, we're trying to pursue this like identity or this humanness or this hu- level of humanity. And we're like, yeah. 
we're that blind person. And so often we're inclined to put our hand on the shoulder of some hobbling, crippled person who doesn't know where they're going. When really what I think we'll see in this, in this episode is in the Old Testament, we've got this brilliant guide, Jesus, who mm-hmm. walks through every page of yeah. the Old Testament and through the New Testament, who says, take your hand off that guy's shoulder and like grab on to grab on to me, walk behind me, and I'm going to be your guide so that you can discover what it means to be truly human. If we didn't design ourselves, how is it that we can best understand our design? It's to look to the designer. So I'm really pumped to dig into this topic. I think it's really invigorating. So, so let's answer that first question first, or, or explore it. Uh, where is Jesus in the Old Testament? And in some ways, you can just say he's everywhere. He, he's he's riddled in prophecy, in picture. In an image, but I'll, I'll maybe toss this to you, Ryan. Uh, some of the pictures that we yeah. see in the Old Testament really do display Jesus. Yeah, yeah. This is, listen, I'm like everybody else. When I first picked up the Bible, I grew up in the church and I first picked up the Bible, you know, I hit Leviticus or something. I was like, grown. This is like, you know, how do I, how am I, how am I ever going to get through this? Um, and it wasn't until kind of this question we're talking about until I really encountered it and really started to experience something here that the Old Testament really became unlocked for me. I grew up in the church where, you know, especially this time of year, well, while we're recording this, it's Christmas. It's always, this prophecy talks about Jesus who's going to come later. Mm -hmm. And even then it was still, Jesus wasn't really in the Old Testament. It was a prophecy about him being in the New Testament. Um, Mm. And it wasn't until, and I want to share a bit of an, I introduced like a bit of a kind of theological, logical concept here. I can't even say theological. So how am I going to introduce a topic of <laughs> a concept? And it's called typology. And this is what for me really unlocked uh, this and the Old Testament. And for people listening, you don't have to remember the term, but what's behind it is so brilliant. So what typology says is that throughout the Old Testament, there's what's called, they're what, called, what are called types. Um, and in the New Testament, there are anti-types. Now, anti not as in like oppositional, but the type is always a picture or a symbol or a shadow that not just points forward to Jesus, but is actually fulfilled by Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I don't think fulfilled in the future, but if we believe God transcends time and he's not just, oh, you know, later I did this thing, but he's actually fulfilling it yeah. um, outside of time. And so... I'll give like a really simple example, and then maybe I'd love to hear some pictures that pop up for you guys. But you can read the story of Isaac hiking up the mountain, carrying mm. wood to be sacrificed on yep. and at his father's direction. And you can read that as like, oh yeah, like Abraham's obeying God and he's going to do that. When all of a sudden you realize later on what you're reading is Jesus reenacting this and, and kind of fulfilling this picture of the father directing the son up a hill, carrying this wood to be mm. sacrificed on. Yeah. What we see is this picture of not just, oh, here's this cool story in the Old Testament, and one day Jesus is going to come. But Jesus is actually walking through every single page. And so I think, like you said, well, I'll say everywhere. Jesus is everywhere in the Old Testament. And I think sometimes people maybe go a little excessive in trying to, like, pin all these specific codes. Like, sure. oh, Isaac is sure. Jesus. But, like... In every single story, in every single episode, what we're seeing, I think, throughout the Old Testament is this revelation of who Jesus is, what his character is, how he functions. And when he comes in the New Testament and we read about him, we realize, oh, this is actually Jesus being expressed throughout the ages, throughout the pages of the Old Testament. And now we just get to see him in real human flesh, Mm. kind of for this great display of like walking that out in human form in real time. So Mm. that's... 
I, I could go on and on with examples, but I don't want to take up all the podcast, like happy to be a guest, but don't want to talk for nine hours. So Stephen, what about you? Are there some pictures that pop up for you that you're like, this is a really cool picture of Jesus in the old Testament. Yeah. So, uh, for me, like there are obviously numerous images that come up of Jesus in the old Testament, son of man in Daniel suffering servant Mm -hmm. in Isaiah, like all these things. Mm. But I think the three key ones for me are like Jesus as priest, Jesus prophet, and then Jesus as king. And I think, um, so each of them are considered to be a station or an office. And that's something that Jesus embodies entirely um, when he is here on earth in the New Testament. Um, But even like throughout like the Old Testament, only one person could fulfill them at a time or maximum two. The stations themselves. Yeah, the stations themselves. And so to see Jesus embody all three Hmm. is uh, quite miraculous in that that's what God intended for humanity Mm -hmm. to be able to embody these three stations or offices. And so for me... To have all three <clears throat> operating as one is sort of like the ideal of what it is to be truly human. Hmm. So I think it's... I think it's interesting cool. with typology that sometimes my mind can immediately think to like characters. So uh, mm. someone like Moses is a character yeah. that very much is a, is a type of Christ. And even the language that's used in the Gospel of John uh, speaks of a, of a prophet to come yeah. that would be there. And in Deuteronomy, uh, Moses himself speaks of there is a there is one to come that Israel should follow. Yeah. And, that, and that's pointing to Christ. So we kind of look to characters, but there's stations as well that is part of typology. And as well, there's like images. Yeah. So like the bronze snake for the Israelites yeah. that, that Jesus yeah, yeah. himself references in John 3. And so we see all the ways that God wants us to have almost this this hint hmm. of this is what it actually looks like to to see one that is that is like Jesus. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really beautiful. Typology, I think, points to us in a lot of different ways. Yeah. I think I think if you read the Old Testament as like, here's just this story. Mm-hmm. And growing mm-hmm. up in the church, I think that was it. Like Here's the flood story. And it's funny growing up now, I'm like, well, those are really violent stories we were told as kids. But, uh, <laughs> it's just like cute animals it's like, in a boat. It ends with a rainbow, but really what it ends with is like the world is a mass it's, graveyard, yeah, right? Yeah, but, yeah. Um, these stories, and it's kind of just this thing that leads up to this. You know, in later years, I read the Bible, and the Genesis 1 opens with the words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, in the beginning. And then he opens the New Testament, and John 1 opens with, in the beginning. And it's, in my mind, this really parallel text that what the Old Testament and the New Testament are doing is just, it's a way of God speaking to us and revealing his character. So if he's revealing his character, then every story, every symbol, like sacrifices are a type for the anti-type Jesus. He would sacrifice these lambs, and then Jesus was his type. And when you compare the opening words of Genesis 1 and John 1 in the beginning, well, in John 1, it says, in the beginning was the word. And in Genesis 1, you have, in the beginning... And then has some more stuff. God created the heavens and earth. And he does that by speaking. Mm -hmm. So there's always this idea of God expressing himself through language, through his word, and through his character. And showing us who he is and bringing fulfillment to to an empty and broken world. And then if you start to imagine that, I'm not saying it makes every single line of Leviticus exciting. Not all the time, (laughs) but as you read it more and more. But even you mentioned the bronze snake. It wasn't until just a couple of years ago. I've read through this book a whole bunch of times, but a couple of years ago, I realized that bronze snake actually shows up in Second Kings and yeah. has this name Nehushtan, um, which 
is maybe not the most exciting things, but it's like yeah. when you've watched The Office for like the ninth time, and then you all of a sudden you discover <laughs> yeah, that yeah, Easter yeah, egg. Absolutely. Like yeah, the Bible's yeah. got all these Easter eggs where yeah. all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's who Jesus is. And I'm learning about Jesus while I'm reading numbers, or I'm learning about Jesus while I'm, you know, doing this. And uh, it's just this beautiful display of his character. And if I can maybe say one more thing, and it's a little bit specific to City Collective, I don't mean to take all the time, but. One of the brilliant pictures I love, because you guys have been working through the book of Matthew. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as I read the Bible more and more, now when I read Matthew, what I see is, you know, Matthew opens with these genealogies that are a picture of Jesus being descendant from David, this this king who is a type of Jesus, mm-hmm. this shadow. Um, and we're talking about the king. And then after that, the story goes like this. The story is that there's this evil king who wants to kill all the children and Jesus escapes. And we read about an evil king like that in the start of Exodus. And he escapes to Egypt. Now the story is a little bit out of order, but um, Joseph and his brothers escape to Egypt. Yeah. And then they eventually come back. And then Jesus gets baptized in the Jordan River, which is what Joshua, who same name as Jesus, also a type of Jesus, he leads the people through the waters of the Jordan yeah. River into yeah. the promised land. And Jesus goes in, crosses through the waters of the Jordan in baptism to take us into the promised land. And it's just this like really beautiful, like Jesus is always displaying who his character is and inviting us into that. And it changes how you read the law because then the law is no no longer just hear the rules, Mm -hmm. but don't murder because God is a kind and loving, compassionate God. He would, the rules and don't murder because he doesn't want you to kill people. It's don't murder because God doesn't live like that. Don't steal because God's a generous God. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it just, it unlocks so much when you start to realize this is a story of Jesus's character on display. Yeah. And if you're looking for that, you start realizing like, oh, this is a life-changing book. And of course this matters. So mm. even in the old, uh, looking at the old Testament and then I, I've heard the argument that, oh, I love Jesus, but I'm not so crazy about the old Testament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> there's, there's many reasons valid in the midst of it of impressions of how it's been read before yeah. stories that have been told uh stories that have been avoided things like that in the midst of someone's uh, questions of the old testament but look at the words of jesus uh, jesus himself quotes the old testament constantly nonstop. it is it is yeah. his language of communication to to utilize the the wealth that is the old testament yeah for the communication of this kingdom to come it's, it's so interesting. We talk about this kingdom to come, this kingdom that was breaking into the world right now at City Collective. We're having these conversations. But this wasn't to like dispose of the Old Testament. It was like a utilization of we have fallen short in all these ways, but I'm the fulfillment of sacrifice, mm. of kingship, of, yeah. of, of being the prophet, of, of all these things um, that he's at work at in the world. Yeah, I, uh, I once heard Tim Mackey sort of describe the Old Testament as a series of books or stories which are painting a silhouette of a person, mm. a silhouette of the truly human one, the true king, the true priest, the true prophet, and all, all these different uh, typologies. And then you see Jesus come in, and he just, it fits in perfectly. Yeah, and it's beautiful. And it's great in the sense that Jesus fulfills prophecies through his actions and through his words but also through his very being, mm-hmm. the person himself, Jesus himself is the fulfillment of prophecies yeah. and the embodiment of those fulfillments. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's so different because he, he embodies the, the offices, as we were saying before, he completes the actions or the, 
sort of the storyline, as you were saying, Ryan, before, like he mirrors everything that the Old Testament was doing and then he even says the same things. Mm-hmm. He is the Old Testament fulfilled mm-hmm. entirely. Mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah, it's wild. It's, <laughs> it's so good. Isn't it interesting, like you're saying, Jesus teaches from the New Old Testament and, and that's what the early church had. That's what like Paul has and all that. And then today we're kind of like, well, well, we don't really need it. It's good enough for Jesus, good enough for Paul, but... I don't really, I, I imagine you guys just finished, or did you finish up the Sermon on the Mount? Just or you finished the Sermon up? on the Mount, yeah. I, I just imagine, I, I don't know if you guys have been in a sermon or a teaching where they're doing like a, like they're revealing five words throughout the sermon and they start with the same letter. Are you the type of person by like word three, you're guessing what number four and five is and like nudging yeah. your neighbor a bit, I bet the next one's, I was just at an event where <laughs> it was like, that was like five C's in the last one I was guessing, but I could just imagine sitting there on the side of this hill as Jesus is teaching and he gets into, after he hits, um, talk about being the fulfillment of the law and he gets into kind of those aspects of the law. I just imagine like one of the, maybe the keener disciples, like nudging one of them and being like, this is what Moses did this on the side of a hill. Yeah. Yeah, Moses went up on a hill and he was talking about these things. And, and Jesus is like, like Moses, the greatest prophet of the old Testament. And Jesus is actually like, showing us what that role of prophet looked like as mm-hmm. Moses went up and proclaimed the truth of God's character found in the law. Now Jesus is coming and working mm-hmm. that out. And then he's going to example that for us as he journeys with us to the true promised land. And yeah. it's a beautiful mirror. It's a beautiful picture. I think it's a great transition into that second question. Like why does it even matter that Jesus is in the old Testament? Why couldn't he just kind of show up in the new Testament, be God, die on the cross, rise again, and everything is good. Like, why does it even matter that he's in the Old Testament? Uh, I think even the picture that you just painted yeah. is, is a good indicator, but I'm curious yeah. your thoughts. I don't, even, like, I don't even know how to answer that properly. <laughs> like, I would not know who Jesus is properly mm. if I did not know him through the Old Testament. Because mm. otherwise, he's just a really, like, 10 out of 10 guy. You know what I mean? Like, he lived perfectly, mm-hmm. 100%. But you don't fully recognize his divinity. You don't fu- you don't fully recognize the offices he embodies. You don't fully recognize any of these things until you look back at the Old Testament and you see him revealed and you see the failings of all these other people throughout the Old Testament, like Moses and Abraham and so on. And it's like, oh, wait, there is no one else after Jesus because he completed it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Therefore, he has <clears throat> embodied everything that they were trying to embody, which makes him divine, which makes him the son of God, the son of man, the suffering servant and all these things. I, yeah, I, I wouldn't really even like fully understand who Jesus is without the old Testament. I think that the stations that we talked about, uh, King, prophet, priest, many of them, I, I referenced it briefly in the first week of our Advent series, this, a theological concept of accommodation that God uses the things that are, are lacking within our desires, within our, our sociological mindsets, within our, our cultural systems. And he still in his grace comes alongside them and uses them for good. So even like that for the framework of, of King, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. the ki- idea of a King was not specifically God's longing, a, a human yeah. King. In fact, it was the longing of the people of Israel. And so God was still desiring for them to be set apart. He put clear elements of the kingship of an Israel king to be followed. And all of them were broken yeah. <laughs> very quickly and yeah, yeah. Uh, very fully. Pretty but bad. Uh, 
he was he was setting them apart because they had asked for a king. Yeah. But there is this clear indication that he was saying, I want to be your king. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the New Testament and he is the final king. Yeah. When Jesus arrives, he's the final one. I'm the fulfillment. When he gets to the New Testament, he's the final prophet. Mm-hmm. I'm the yeah. final one. When he gets to the New Testament, uh, we see Jesus. I'm the final priest. All of it is the fulfillment. We talk about the fulfillment of the law, but it's almost even just like the fulfillment of the longing of humanity. I longed for a way to connect with God. So God made a way with a priest, Mm. one that could go in Mm. the in-between. I longed to hear from God. So God spoke through his prophets. I longed for one to provide authority in this world. So he provided a human king. And God was all along just saying, I'm more than enough. But we needed those pictures in the Old Testament in our humanity. To yeah. see Jesus fully in the New Testament. Mm. Yeah, totally. I I think growing up in the church, one of the things, well, at least I believe this, and I probably is, is something that I, I would imagine a lot of people at least subconsciously function like this, is we view kind of the unfolding of God's work and mystery as pretty chronological. So at one point, God creates the world, and then it's kind of like people mess up his plan. So then he's like, okay, on to plan B kind of through the Old Testament, that didn't really work, onto plan C, Jesus needs to die, and that plan seemed to work and whatever. Which, actually, when you put it that way, it kind of has some pretty negative theological connotations about God's planning, because it makes it seem like he's not very good at coming up with plans. <laughs> um, and what we often have then is this really chronological moment where Jesus dies on the cross, and, you know, and, and as much as I agree and hold to when people talk about Old Covenant and New Covenant language, But this idea that, you know, after the cross, like it's all different and all that. I I actually believe that the cross functions outside of that timeline and it looks back to all the sacrifices and it looks back to everything that's happened. And so when you step away from kind of putting God and Jesus into this, this timeline that kind of goes along with us and the gospel, then the gospel isn't just Jesus died on the cross so our sins can be forgiven. The gospel is, is Jesus. The gospel is the good news of Jesus revealing himself to us. Yeah. Because if Jesus is your good news, what that means is that when in the garden, after the big grand wedding at the start of Genesis 1, when there's a divorce and the wayward spouse, us, is running away, Jesus, the good news is he pursues us and pursues Mm -hmm. us even to the point Mm -hmm. where he needs to die on the cross. And so I think it matters because, you know, it's easy, I think, for us to just be like, well, Jesus died at this point. I'll, you know, kind of start reading from there. Well, I, I, we don't read that. The Bible's not very popular in the modern church, but I'm assuming more people read Philippians than read Isaiah. But it's mm. like, you start to realize this is all a representation of God. Then it starts to matter. Yes. Then the challenging parts of, and furthermore, if we believe that the Bible is a way that God speaks to us, then we can also sit and say, Jesus is speaking to me as I read mm-hmm. the the second half of Exodus, which is just instructions about building the tabernacle, yeah. another yeah. picture and symbol of God. Yeah. Let's be honest, pretty dry. Yeah. But like, <laughs> it's yeah. like, all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is Jesus speaking to me. Because yeah. any of us in a relationship, we have boring moments of conversations with our partners, right? Like I have moments, like I have moments with my wife. I talk to her, love the conversation. There are moments... It's not as exciting. And and she could say the same about me. We love you, there, Yeah. Talcy's awesome, but it's like, she's saying about me, stuff I care about that she's just like, I'm really into board games. I'll start talking about a bunch and I'm sure she's like listening 3%, right? We, all of us have our Deuteronomy that other people listen to. And mm. if we really believe that Jesus is speaking and representing himself throughout the Old Testament, 
It matters because then that becomes not just a book of stories or a book of instructions, but becomes a book of getting to know the living God and experiencing the true object of the gospel, Jesus, not yeah. just his sacrifice. So that's why I think it matters. But Maybe this is jumping to like our third question too quickly, but just it, it triggers within my mind when you talk about the second half of Exodus that's laying out all the details of the tabernacle and how it's built. And then what does Paul write to the, the Corinthian church? He mm. says, uh, do you not know that you're God's temple? Yeah. And I'm like, we, we need to hear mm. the first part, the care, the detail. The, the, the specificity of the tabernacle that's poured into it so that yeah. it can occupy and then see that within the, the New Testament language of you are God's temple. Well, it's because you are the, the Imago Dei, that you are the, you are the image of God. And because of Jesus, we now have that privilege hmm. that a whole half of a book was laid out to, to make possible just through Jesus. Like we, we have this, this beautiful specificity and this is like taking a really broad and maybe preachy uh, like this is value hmm. like this is when when god sees us he doesn't see us as as the broken pieces that we sometimes feel we are he sees us as the place in which he can occupy and that's beautiful to me hmm. and like life-giving and and a little bit like forgiving for myself. I can, I can be a little bit kinder to myself in moments of failure mm. because of that. Um, but let's, let's continue the conversation to some of the stations. Uh, talking about priest, prophet, and king. Steve, maybe you can tell us a little bit about priest. Ooh, priest. Um, so in the Old Testament, the role of the priest was to help God's people connect to God. And in the same sense, Jesus' role as he embodies this office of priest is to help us, humanity, connect with God. Mm -hmm. And so I, it's, um, it's quite interesting because you see in Genesis 1 and 2 um, that God puts us into the Garden of Eden and tells us to take care of the garden. And if you look at the imagery of, the, of Genesis 1, 2, and 3 and the way it's set up, it's set up in a way where Eden is this temple place where the cosmos and like humanity and earth overlap and so if you think about that it's like god it's where god overlaps with humanity mm. it's in this temple space in the cosmos and and so god puts adam and eve into this temple space to be priests and to tend to the temple and so that's it, sort of the call that we have as right. well but it is what jesus is fulfilling yeah to help all of creation connect with god well again it's like the invitation giving to humanity. Yeah. Humanity is unable to fulfill it. Jesus comes as the truly human one and says, this is the way. Yeah. I quote the Mandalorian. I believe. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to check that one off our mandatory podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I believe it was Paul that even like refers to Jesus as the new Adam. Mm -hmm. So if Adam was the priest in the temple of, or in the garden of Eden or that cosmic temple. Yes. It's like now Jesus is that Adam who fulfills that role perfectly as the truly human one and as the royal high priest. But yeah. Um, yeah. I had a thought that one of you inspired and I kind of forgot about it, but um, there, Oh yeah. In, in um, first Timothy. Oh, I hope I'm not saying something correct. First Timothy. I think that's where, um, Paul talks about Jesus being the one mediator between mm. 
mm. God and man. And that's, yes. that's really what the priest was. And I just, yeah, less and less I read the old Testament is like, there are these stories of these failed priests, but less and less just giving us this picture and this rehearsal of someone mediating between God and us to bring peace and reconciliation between broken humanity and God. And Jesus mm-hmm. shows up and he says, Hey, like, I think there's a commendation for the priests, well, some of them, who went before, and he said, hey, you guys were faithful in your calling. You weren't divine, so yeah, yeah, you couldn't do this perfectly, and, you know, I'm fulfilling that, but there's this commendation and encouragement, but then also this picture that people have where they're like, oh, yeah, and and even, even like... There's a, this one random character in Ezra named Zerubbabel, who he's mm. this guy who, I don't think he was technically a priest, but at that point, no one really was because everyone had kind of been exiled and yes. killed. But he like leads <laughs> different time pe- periods. <laughs> yeah, leads the exiles out and goes and starts rebuilding this mm. temple, this place where people would experience mm. God. And Jesus comes and he's the antitype for the temple. He's the fulfillment of the temple. But yeah. just this priestly picture of like, going ahead and helping people experience God. And what's interesting in the New Testament is we, I think we see this in the Old Testament too, but especially in the New Testament, the language becomes pretty clear that all of us are called into that priesthood. Uh, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. That Mm. picture that's like the priests are like, hey, follow me, follow my example, and I'm going to introduce you to God. Yeah. And we're, we're invited to be on that journey and to walk in that priestly calling that Jesus has. And we're all able to be in that priesthood because there is no one individual that can go into the Holy of Holies and be in the presence of God anymore. Mm -hmm. It's where we can all follow, as Paul says, the way of Jesus, the person of Jesus into that space and experience the presence of God. And if, if there's anything that like is a defining feature of moments in my faith where I can look back with like so much joy is, I get to experience God's presence, even if it's even if it's just reading the Old Testament mm. or coming uh, text coming alive for me isn't like oh that was written really well, it could be that was written really cool way or yeah. like a literary uh, quirk that that stuck out to me. It's like I'm reading through this and then I feel the presence of God overwhelm my heart to the place of maybe tears. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember I was I was doing a study one time and I was reading uh, both Ephesians and First Peter kind of side by side. And I had just had this moment and that it's, it's kind of tracked with me in my entire life where scripture was less about understanding and more about revelation. And it was both kind of came alive in that moment. And I just literally closed my Bible and I just was in the space of immense gratitude because mm. I was allowed to come into the presence. Yeah. I love that. I, I, I took a, when in seminary, I, I would take these modular week classes. So lecture was crammed into like a 40 hour binge in a week. And I took this one class on Isaiah, which was pretty daunting. And, but my prof was this, um, German dude with a long beard. So that means German long beard. This guy's brilliant. Um, (laughs) and his PhD was in like Jeremiah chapter two. Like this guy's just like living in a different world than all of us. And we'd get to moments in Isaiah as we worked through all 66 chapters that week, which is pretty intense, but intense. we, he, we get to moments where he would say, I'm not quite sure who's speaking or who's being spoken to, or I don't quite get that. Mm. And in some ways it felt intimidating. Cause I was like, well, I'm never going to get there. No. But also it was like relieving to be like, I, like I should be learning things as I go. It's kind of a both end. Yeah. But if we really believe that God speaks to us through the Bible, mm-hmm. we don't have to say, 
like, you know, when you got your, when you got your first crush, you're like, I don't have to understand everything. I don't know why she wants to talk about it. Like, I remember when I was a teenager, I went to the, do you remember the old Britney Spears Crossroads movie? Yeah. I had this girlfriend and we went to the, yeah, you're too young. You're, you're yeah. 28. Yeah. You're, like, in my head. you're like, I'm, I'm like, feeling old. I'm yeah. 28. Yeah. I'm like, oh, um, <laughs> I went to a stupid movie with her, right? It's, it's like the 20 year ago version of the Barbie movie. Um, and I, I imagine I haven't seen the Barbie movie, but the, uh, it's like, I went to this with it's her and I'm like, category. okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, Jason's like, hey, 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 hold on. Right? <laughs> don't, don't sue us. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like, I didn't get it, you know? Yeah. But what I knew was that I wanted to be in the presence of this girl. Mm. Didn't work out, but mm. was a waste of going to the bar or the uh, Britney Spears movie. But we can trust us with God is that like, even in moments where like, well, I didn't really understand every word of mm-hmm. like judges or I didn't probably catch it all. I don't remember it all. People often use that as like reasons to not read the Bible. It's like, if you carved out 10 or 15 minutes a day to just say, Hey Jesus, I'm showing up and I just want you to reveal yourself and be present with me. Mm. We can trust him that we're going to get what we need and not, it not just have to be a truly like academic exercise where it's like, did I study the right way or not? Um, And so I think that's powerful what you're saying. You have those moments where all of a sudden you're like, Oh, this is bigger than just the words on the page. Mm-hmm. This is the person behind the words. Yes. Um, and I think that's a really powerful realization and it will also help you get through parts of, well, any part of the Bible. Like it's, you know, we're just not inclined toward it, but it's so life changing. If you read it and you go back, you read it again and uh, it's okay to say, even if you're a German prof with a PhD on Jeremiah too, to say, I didn't understand it all. That's okay. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, even what you're saying, Jason, like, I think that is evidence of the fact that Jesus is the fulfillment. That's right. Like, the fact mm-hmm. that we can mm-hmm. open scripture mm-hmm. outside of a temple mm-hmm. place, or let's say the church, or mm-hmm. the synagogue, whatever it may be. Sure. And you can read and mm-hmm. experience God, mm-hmm. experience the person of God. Yeah. And it's not a, yeah. just a cerebral exercise, but it's a, and it's an engagement of heart and soul. Yeah. I think that's... Yeah, that is, that's why Jesus came. Like, <laughs> that's why he did what yeah. he did, and that's that's the beauty of getting to be in relationship with God is that we get to meet God wherever. Yeah, and through the medium of scripture or prayer or whatever practice, yeah, spiritual practice it is. Um, and so yeah, it's like it's like vital in the midst of our reading. We want you to, if you're listening to this, fall in love with the scriptures. Yeah. We want you to to read it and spend more time in it and do all your study around it. But revelation precedes understanding mm-hmm. that you're going to, you're going to read it. And I hope that it comes alive for you. And if it doesn't, maybe you learn something great, but as it goes, I think that it's going to come alive in like a more meaningful way because it's, we want to come alongside and see the way that Jesus provides that truly human image at the center uh, we talked about those three stations, priest, prophet, king. I want you to picture them almost as like a, a Venn diagram and that the three circles, they overlap. And at the center, we find Jesus. All three stations are, we're attempting to see, well, humanity is attempting to see them fulfilled in the Old Testament. And like S- Steve was talking about the priest, there, there's a large amount of imagery mm. within the Old Testament of what the station of a priest was. We look to someone like Aaron uh, as, as that kind of introductory priest image, as well as like structure of how that goes around and, and the people of Israel that follow it. 
And then it moves to this idea of this royal priest that comes and fulfills mm-hmm. that in Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And what's neat, again, you guys have been journeying through Matthew, and if you haven't caught the first five chapters of their series, it's available on all podcast well, platforms. Well, that was brilliant. Um, <laughs> but, uh, well, Talcy, my wife spoke in one of those, so that if they listen to all of them, then they'll hear her once. That's my plug for it's her. Perfect. But, well done. Well done. Um, <laughs> but it starts with this... Uh, this kingly genealogy. Genealogies mm-hmm. only mattered in the Old Testament if it was like significant to a role, and it, it's reflective of this King David, the, the prototypical king. Yeah. So Jesus is represented as king, and then really quickly we see him as the prophet who goes into the wilderness. He's baptized, goes into the wilderness to connect with God, to be with God, and he comes out proclaiming this prophetic message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, and then he rolls up out of his experience with God in the wilderness, rolls up into the mm-hmm. hillside, and in a very priestly way, starts to preach. He says, yeah. this is what the kingdom is like. Um, and it's brilliant how he works all three of those together. And yeah. it's just this repeated picture throughout all of the New Testament, all the biographies of Jesus, where he is this king, this priest, and this prophet who leads us so well. Mm. Um, and, and that's why his message, follow me, is like so so simple and so perfect. Because it's like, yeah, like you can follow a good king, you can follow a good priest, and you can follow a good prophet, and you can trust that they're taking you down a good path. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting, even like throughout the life of Jesus, you'll see him help people connect with God as um, a priest would, and then he would talk on behalf of God right. as a prophet, Yeah. and then he would forgive sins as the king and as the Messiah. Right. And he's just like, and it's just so natural for him. Mm. It's like, it's not like he's like, I don't know, not like really working against himself or anything like that. It's just, it's all a natural flow for who Jesus is. And it's just like, every time you see him interact with even one person, sometimes all three officers are engaged and exercised in a moment. Yeah. And it's just, it's so powerful. Yeah. I think, well, for me, and I think most human beings, it's really easy to like lean into the thing that you're good at and yeah, to, <laughs> yeah exactly and yeah. as an excuse to not lean it's into really good. Yeah. something I hadn't realized there's this pastor in Vancouver his name's John Howe Reality Church he's awesome and I almost feel silly admitting this and maybe but I hadn't noticed this in the Bible until a year or two ago he was teaching on the fruit of the spirit and he pointed out and I always just thought it was a weird grammar thing but where first Paul talks about this list of sins he's like the acts of the flesh are that makes sense. He says, but then he says the fruit of the spirit is, he uses a singular word, mm-hmm. love, joy, peace, all those things. And I always thought it's weird because he should say are like is, is a singular word. Uh, but what Paul's saying is, is that it's not nine different fruits. Yeah. It's one fruit and it That's manifests right. in these way. In yeah. the same way, Jesus, mm-hmm. he exercises all these like mm-hmm. kingdom gifts of king, priest, and prophet. And this idea of being fully human means really to be fully human in the way that Jesus designed you to be. So, so many of us can be like going back to the fruit of the spirit. Well, you know, I'm pretty patient, so I don't have to be that like, I don't know, joyful or I'm pretty at peace. So I don't have to have much self-control or whatever. The same way with like spiritual gifts and functioning, like, you know, well, I don't know, like I'm, I'm pretty good at like being hospitable. So I don't have to like share my faith, I, all these things. But Jesus' example is all of your, all of your life should be like holistically wrapped up in mm. all of this like kingdom embrace and expressing his character all times. So are we going to be strong at different things? Well, for sure. sure. But not to say, well, I'm good at this. So I'll just kind of forsake. 
I don't want anything priestly in my life. Jesus invites us like yeah. into this mission. And that's again, why I'd say the old Testament is so important is you're really receiving uh, the mission and how that works out in real time. And I think a lot of times in the old Testament, the examples, if you really think about them are more vivid. So in the new Testament, there's a lot of didactic teaching. That's just like, do this, don't do this. And we can process that pretty easily. You know, it took me a while to figure out what I used to say, all oh, those idiots worshiping a golden cow. Um, all of a sudden I realized, oh, I'm the idiot worshiping a golden cow, right? What they had done, like the nations around them, Canaan and Egypt, they embodied their deities in the form of a bull. And it was actually like a, a symbol of fertility. It was actually like a, is a compliment to their yeah. gods. It was a good thing. Yeah. And Israel had just soaked up the culture around them and had let that permeate their religiosity. So they did it that way. Yeah. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, I do that a lot. Um, <laughs> and as you track through those stories and you yeah. ask yourself, what does it look like for me to shift a little bit more up the mountain to where Moses is mm -hmm. doing what he's supposed to be doing rather than putting together some animal to worship and remembering who God actually is. That it's a way more vivid, I think, picture for me to actually like work through some of my challenges of stepping into this relationship with Jesus, of following him and actually being present with him and remembering who he is. It's beautiful. I, I see the picture of a calf and I think of like Aaron in that moment was meant to be the one that like was holding the gap. Yeah. Mm. And then he fell short and he bore the, the consequence of that in, in, in the midst of it. But then we see Jesus and he, he fill, he, he, he holds the gap and he mm. holds the gap. He doesn't, he doesn't relent in the midst of that. And that's mm. what he does over and over again in those different stations where Kings have fallen within the, the lineage of Israel. Yeah. Jesus does not bow to another King, mm. even within the wilderness experience within the wilderness temptation. He's invited over and over again to, to give up his kingship, bow to another. And he chooses before the authority is even fully given in, in many sense. He, he doesn't refuse I, he doesn't refuse the crown that's offered to him mm. uh, in the time to come. And that's something that it, to know who Jesus is as a person, his character does so much more for us, I think, in our faith than simply seeing the things that he does. And I think that's even part of why he teaches in the way he does. And then we get to like the station of prophet. And I think prophet's like a language that we maybe aren't as familiar with. Maybe we're more familiar with maybe priest or a king. Yeah. But prophet seems yeah, like yeah. farther away, right? But a prophet is someone who's communicated with God and now mm. is communicating to God's people on God's behalf. That, that's the station of a prophet. And Jesus is most definitely doing that. He does that at the very beginning of his ministry, coming out of the wilderness. It's the first thing he does. He comes yeah. as a herald out of the desert. If he's come to proclaim good news to the poor, like this is, this is what he's presenting. Yeah. And that station is all throughout the Old Testament um, and then most certainly valid, uh, verified. In the person mm. of Jesus. Yeah. Famous words of the kingdom of God is at hand. And yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and I love yeah. when he does it. There's baked in this like real humanity. Um, the wilderness account. I love it. And Luke, Luke, the doctor, he's like at the end of, he says, I, have, I pulled it up. So I get the, he ate nothing during these days, those 40 days. And at the end of them, he was hungry. It's like, well, thanks, <laughs> thanks that makes Luke. Sense. Yeah. I think it's in there for a reason because yeah. Jesus is actually like, yes, he's divine and we know he's not going to mess up, but he's actually like showing kind of in real time, like mm. this is what it's like. And I love what you said. Aaron was supposed to be standing in the gap. 
arguably messed up pretty badly. And I think for many of us, it's daunting. Like, oh, I'm not ready to be a priest. I don't know enough. Yeah. I don't yeah. might not have this answer. I have issues and stuff like that. And it's kind of, there's kind of a tension here because I'll say, well, keep growing and keep working through those. Like you mm. want to keep growing, but you don't have to be perfect yes. because Jesus, the true priest is standing right. there to like stand in the gap. So in that moment yeah. where you're about to like build a golden calf for people, you can trust that well, if you're trusting Jesus, hopefully he'll be like, Hey, maybe don't, maybe don't make an idol, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, or that he'll, well, there's he'll, forgiveness waiting. And for then you. even <laughs> when you do mess up, he's just like, you know yeah. what? I'm the true priest that's going to forgive you. And one of the beautiful things is when you experience that forgiveness, that gives you more, mm. that gives you more ability to take that to other people and share that grace with other people. Um, oh yeah. I don't know. The, it's so good. Jesus the, the, is, the prophetic nature of Christ is maybe even in line with the idea of revelation preceding understanding, right? Mm -hmm. Because a prophet brings what? It doesn't just bring like, Hey, look at what you're doing. Like this is wrong. It's like a revelation of yeah. you have moved away from the purposes that God has set before you. Mm. I want you to move back toward me. Hmm. Sometimes understanding is simply just like facts and information. Yeah. Uh, revelation is like change and transformation that's being called out. And so I think Jesus is doing that over and over again. It's why he's well, consistently prophetic in how yeah. he's communicating. Hmm. He's providing a revelation of what it is to actually be, uh, be one in God. Yeah, and I think like even... Like throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus do these uh, prophetic acts like renewing the temple, mm. um, reconstituting the 12 tribes with the 12 disciples, yeah. Um, yeah. the renewal of a covenant, um, national forgiveness or forgiveness of the nations and the release from captivity and mm. all these things. It's all prophetic mm. acts. Yep. And it's all for the purpose of pointing out the Old Testament fulfilling the Old Testament, but also to inaugurate the kingdom to come. And so we see this uh, like some sort of progression throughout the Old Testament. So like we are talking about before typology, it's like the temple was built. It was kind of destroyed a few times, rebuilt again and so on. But then we see Jesus like, I will bring a whole new temple. I'll break it down three days and then rebuild it with my body. Yeah. And then we see this again with like the 12 tribes, 12 tribes in the Old Testament that fulfilled these mm -hmm. 12 disciples again. And it's just this back and forth and it's sort of cyclical nature. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's mm. quite brilliant. He is quite the prophet. Yeah. <laughs> prophet, priest, king, all painting that singular picture of what it is to be truly human, not with condemnation or guilt as the, as the function or the intended outcome, mm. but as, uh, as the picture meant to lead us to the space of hope and possibility and to discover that God has done all these things, that he is the final, the, the royal priest. Hmm. He is the, the, the high king, the king of kings, and he is the final prophet. Um, that All that paints the picture of what it is to be truly human. And then he says, come follow me. Yeah. And what a beautiful picture that is. Mm -hmm. And then all the promises of scripture that are laid before Jesus of who he would be, holy, blameless, loved, uh, under God's pleasure, in God's will, all of those things are reiterated for us. That when we follow him, when we accept his way, we, yeah. we say that my way is not the way any longer. I'm going to follow your way. Mm. I place my hope and my trust in you. All of those truths, though undeserved, are placed upon us. Mm. 
all, all the characteristics of what it is to be truly human that maybe we haven't experienced fully yet. Yeah. And maybe we'll never in this lifetime are still given to us because of the graciousness and the generosity of Christ. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And for those people like listening, one of the, you can obviously you can, I'd recommend all the books of the Bible, but Hebrews is a place where you can read about kind of this shadow type idea quite a bit where yeah. you see Jesus as this, the true prophet, like, you know, God used to speak through prophets. Now he's speaking through his one true son and that type of thing. Um, and, and I think that's a book that really unlocks the Old Testament quite, quite a bit. Actually, like you said earlier, Stephen, you're like, I don't think I could know who Jesus is without the Old Testament. And like, I agree. I mean, even when you open up the book of Matthew, this genealogy of all yeah. these names, like, well, who are these people? And yeah, yeah. The prophet says this. It's like, well, which prophet? You know, and it's just like on and on and on. It's like, yeah, you've heard that it was said, do not murder. It's like, well, where did we hear that? You know, it's like, um, yeah, it's like foundational. And it's, it's not just foundational because it's like, oh, they wrote the text to set this up. It's just foundational because God's always just been revealing himself. And then he continues to reveal himself. And it's like, oh, this is the same God mm. from the beginning that is now this kind of in this quote unquote new beginning that's just continuing to express himself. And it's, it's amazing. I wonder as we wrap our conversation, there's so much more that we can uh, talk around these three different stations. We will be having some different things that we're... Uh, exploring throughout the series that's upcoming. But in a conversation about scripture, I think it's apt to, to end with just a reading of scripture. So Steve, I was wondering if, could you read for us in your beautiful Aussie accent, Uh-oh. Um, mm. Ephesians one uh, verses three to 14, mm. because if we're saying that this is what it is to be truly human, then Paul is writing to this, this church in Ephesus that he has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And all these different markers of who Jesus is, is now given to us. And so mm-hmm. maybe that can encourage our hearts this, this day. Yeah. Brilliant. So Ephesians 1 uh, verses 3 to 14. Praise be to the Sorry, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessings in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be the holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the ones he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to the mystery sorry, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to put into effect when the time has reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were all chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works at everything in in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit 
He is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Amen. Amen. So thank you, gents, for joining us today. Um, It was a great discussion. I had a lot of fun. Uh, Quite eye-opening as well, which is always good. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. And um, we will catch you this Sunday. And we hope you stick around for our Truly Human series and enjoy it. Thank you.